Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Skate Podcast. Talking Bruins hockey with WEI Bruins writers Scott McLaughlin, Bridget Prue, and Brian DeFelice. Lace them up for some beast talk. It's Odyssey's The Skate Pod on WEI. Welcome into episode 225 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined by Bridget Prue and Scott McLaughlin. Bridget and Scott, if the Bruins played the Rangers all preseason, they'd be undefeated. Unfortunately, that's not how it works. Uh, they had about four other opponents in there, but they finished the preseason strong with a 3-1 win over the Rangers in Madison Square Garden. And the game-winning goal was Matt Patra. Yes? Yep. So just, you know, the icing on the cake for his his preseason and um, he continues to be the main storyline throughout camp. And now that preseason is officially over with the games, there's only one thing left to do and that's make it official. Yeah. And it's really hard to imagine them not at least giving him the, you know, at least the opening night spot and go from there. And, you know, I would keep him through the whole nine games that you get to keep him. uh, before you burn a year off his entry level contract and make a decision then like you don't you don't have to decide right now if he's going to be in the NHL all year or get sent back you have this almost like extended tryout that you can give him so you you, you might as well he's clearly earned it he's been pretty consistently one of their best players when he's just about every game he's played the only one he maybe wasn't was the second night of a back-to-back and even that game he ends up scoring a tying goal in the third period so uh yeah i mean his goal tonight starts with him winning a face-off in the defensive zone and then uh, trent frederick and morgan geeky kind of going to work on the four check and eventually it's frederick setting up potter right in front finds you know a soft spot on the defense and and buries it um I thought, you know, certainly it was interesting to see him get put on that line. We had obviously discussed the possibilities where he could go. And, you know, I think the two options were second line with Marsha and DeBrusque or third line with Frederick and Geeky. And he gets put on that Frederick Geeky line. I thought they started slow, like really slow. I don't think they had a single shot attempt halfway through the game. Um but just as we saw when he was with Marshan and Frederick, they kind of picked it up the second half of the game and got some chances and eventually the goal. Yeah, and even that goal you mentioned in the third period of last game, it's a highlight real goal. Like that was a beautiful goal that he scored. And it's one of the things that people, when you're thinking back, if you're putting his body of work together for the preseason, you're looking at that goal and you're going, okay he saw that he had a lane to the net and he took it. And one of the main criticisms for him coming in was that he's more of a playmaker than a shooter. He's more of a passer than a scorer. And he has more goals and assists in this preseason. So he kind of quieted that, you know, if you're, if you're talking about, Oh, what does he need to work on shooting more? 
he has shot every time he had a chance. I mean, he's really proven that he knows when to pass and when to shoot. I think he's proven himself. And I know there were a few comments made by the broadcast had Montgomery on and Cam Neely on, and they both had quotes that were a little bit more telling than stuff that they've said to us in media scrums and whatnot. And one of the comments was Montgomery to uh, Darren Pang on Mason Laura. He said, he's going to be part of our future. The only question is, is it October 11th or sometime later this year, which is more telling than anything we've heard about Lori. And then Neely speaking in the first intermission said, we told the guys their spots that are available to earn. And he named Patra, Lori and Beecher and said, we wanted to get another look at them so that to see if they could crack the lineup. It's always nice to have a hard decision. We want to know if they can handle an 82 game schedule. So I feel like both of those statements by coach and management show you that this has been something that they are seriously considering, even with Lori, who is someone who's further in the depth chart just because of how strong the decor is. So I think Patra has clearly shown he's ready and will be in there. I think Beecher has had a good preseason. I think he should start there. I'm not sure if he will. Um, Lori, I think they're very seriously considering him as well. So um, I think no matter what, if you take away from preseason that they're all close to ready and you have these prospects that are right there if you need them is a good thing, and it's it's a positive sign. Yeah, it's a very positive sign. The, uh, the Bruins have been knocked for in recent years for their lack of, of internal prospects and, you know, in just a matter of a few short, I don't want to lump it all just to this preseason because, you know, Patro was on people's radar last year and in juniors and Lorai's, you know, people were watching him in uh, Ohio state last season and, you know, Lysel obviously is, has been a name. So it's not like people are totally caught off guard, but I think certainly, I mean, with Beecher, it kind of seems like the timing is right. Uh, you know, he's he, he's 20, 23, maybe 22. I mean, played NCAA, um, had some time in Providence. Like, it kind of makes sense, like, that he's making a push now. I think we all expected him to at least try to vie for that for, for the fourth line at some point this year. Patra is the one where it's just like he just seems like he's a couple of years earlier than anybody anticipated. Um and and it's 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 an incredibly pleasant surprise. Lori, yeah, it's uh because look, if if the Bruins didn't have Hampus Lindholm, um, I think maybe there's a there's a stronger case to maybe force a kid into the lineup. But because the Bruins decor is certainly, you know, set to start this season, I don't see them necessarily rushing him on opening night but as i've said on previous episodes like i think it's going to be a part of this decor at some point this year if it's not opening night so to your point bridget yes it's um there's a lot of great things happening with these prospects and some very impressive camps out of these kids yeah just quickly just to uh push back a little on the potra shooting thing i would i will note that he has three goals on four shots this preseason so He's he is not going to shoot seventy five percent for the year. Picking his spots, Scott. Come on, <laughs> like this is what I'm saying. He's picking the spots. Like you can't criticize him for 
passing when he needs to pass and shooting when he should shoot. It's 75%. That's because they're smart shots. Yeah. I will say if he can keep up that efficiency, then he'll be one of the greatest players ever. So that'd be, that'd be fantastic. Um, but yeah, no, all, all three have certainly been impressive and, uh, it does feel like Lori is, you know, we've kind of kept saying, I think everyone's expectation is, well, he'll start in Providence because they're deep and, you know, no point to rush him, like let him play there and he can be the first guy called up. And I still think that's how it will go, but they are clearly giving him, giving it serious consideration to keep him for opening night. And, and if you think about it, it's not, you know, it's not like they're, wouldn't be a spot for him like you know if it bumps Derek Forbert out of the lineup or like even Kevin Shankirk it's if one of those guys is the seventh defenseman you know I think that's a good problem to have um you know Forbert certainly hasn't lit the world on fire this preseason neither has Shankirk so uh, you know I'm of the mindset that those guys are veterans they've been here before and I'm not gonna panic just because they didn't have the best preseasons. But, you know, when you're talking about competition, it's like Montgomery has kind of, he's made a few comments throughout this preseason about veterans not really playing like with the desperation he'd like or, or whatever, or intensity that he'd like. And it sort of feels like, you know, that's almost like a message to some guys of like, don't don't think your job's totally safe like you know you you gotta you still gotta win it like you still gotta go in and compete and every veteran will say that but it's almost human nature though like if if you've been there and you've been in the league a while and you think you have a roster spot pretty safe maybe you do kind of let up maybe you do sort of ease into it and you know i kind of wonder if that's caught up to a few guys who now might be in battles that they didn't really think they were going to be let me Uh, just say if you're if you're a bottom pair defenseman your position is in competition right you shouldn't just be like i'm a veteran like you're in the bottom pair you're always going to be on the cusp of fighting off either you know a younger guy that's mason lorai coming into the lineup or even just like someone else that like Forbert and Shattenkirk, they have Laurie to worry about, Ian Mitchell. Um, they've they've had different guys throughout training camp push for those spots. So even at a point, Callahan looked good. So there and Zaboro, like those guys are all coming for your your bottom pair. And so Forbert and Shattenkirk, I know they're veterans, and we kind of gave them last episode and, and previously kind of give them a pass for not having a good preseason because oh, they're veterans, they go through the motions. The young kids, they're not going through the motions and they're making you look bad. And so Lorai has outplayed them. And if the message to them was what Neely said is that spots are up for grabs. And if you play hard enough, you get them. Then they've done everything they can and they've done the right thing. And those guys kind of took their spots for granted for Bert. Shattenkirk, I feel like we didn't see a lot of. He, um, yeah, he only played two games. Yeah, so I feel like him, I'm not really sure how to judge him in preseason because we didn't see him a lot. And he's a little slower. Like, he didn't make a huge impact. But Laurie has been someone that we obviously had an eye on because he's a prospect. 
and he's made a lot of his uh, his opportunities. So I don't think Forbert or Shattenkirk should feel safe. I don't think, you know, and, and then there's Ian Mitchell and Laura. Like, there's plenty of competition for the that bottom pair. Yeah, and the last thing I'd say about, like, Laura potentially making it is, you know, that would likely mean that both Zaboral and Ian Mitchell get waived. And I'm fine with that. Like, that that wouldn't really bother me. Um, I don't think Zaboral's really popped at all this preseason or even in training camp. Um, and Ian Mitchell, I think, had been making a strong push. I don't think he made a good final impression. I thought he struggled tonight. So, you know, I mean, he's, as I've mentioned before, like, had some tough games in Chicago. You know, has played 82 NHL games. Um, I... You know, if Laura sets in Providence, I like having Mitchell around. I like the that depth on the right side, but I don't think it's like essential that you have to keep him. And I'm not sure he'd get claimed on waivers, so you can probably still have him in Providence. Um, but yeah, and like another guy I think about is like, was he a little too comfortable to start? Was Morgan Geeky, who you know we talked about before, like his his roster spot was always going to be safe, but he started camp kind of slow. He started his first couple of preseason games slow and all of a sudden you know here comes the last preseason game and he's not the third line center anymore he gets bumped over to wing and finally has a strong game to his credit like I thought he played well ends up with two assists you know as I mentioned like was part of the four check with Frederick to to set up Patra's goal and then makes a nice play to set up AJ Greer for the empty netter so uh, you know finally finally brought it but it's like did it take this push from Patra and, you know, the threat of moving over to the wing to sort of light a fire under him? Because now it looks like he's most likely starting the year on the wing and and not at center, which I think is, is good for the Bruins. I think it creates a, a deeper lineup all around. Um, but it's obviously not the role he probably initially thought he was going to have. Yeah, and somebody else who might not have the role they initially thought they may have because of Matt Patra is Charlie Coyle. And I think he played like a man who had something to prove tonight in Madison Square Garden as well. He had the power play goal, uh, out muscling Adam Fox in front, which, you know, Coyle versus Fox, you're going to imagine that's going to be the case, but uh, stick on the ice, big body in front. And then, you know, got a little bit of a love tap from behind from Jimmy Vesey and decided to, you know, take matters into his own hand and kind of just have a little scuffle, which isn't necessarily Charlie Coyle's MO. Like he's not the type of person to necessarily just like not like a hit and I just drop the gloves. Like clearly there's there's a little added edge there for him tonight. And I don't know if they had do they have history do they have history in college or something? Like No, I think I think they, they skate together in the summer. Yeah, like I don't know. Like it felt like there was a little extra. I mean t- they said there was a triple minor like Coyle, even though he he did get kind of a cheap shot, at least the way he saw it, like his face hit the dasher, and it it was it you know for preseason, there's no need to do that. So he was mad, and he cross checked him, slashed him, hooked him, uh, Jimmy VC, and ended up in the box a four minute power play for the Rangers. But like they technically, I think they called three minors on Coyle um, in the same sequence, and you just don't see him get like that. But uh, he caved in VC with literally just grab each other and kind of just like put them to the ground. Uh, it wasn't really a fight, but he had a goal in a fight technically in the same period. And you don't see that from him a lot. And I, it was, it was good to see his passion, I guess. I don't want him fighting though. 
Yeah. <laughs> and then I learned the last fight he should ever be in. And then he then he took another cross checking penalty in the third. So he ends up with two cross checking penalties and two roughing penalties. So I think he, I think he already blew the lady bing. He's not he's not winning that this year. Can you lose uh, that in preseason? Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> gone. Does preseason count? But yeah, I mean, you know, on, on a more serious note though, like yeah, I thought Charlie Coyle played really well. I thought that line, him, Martian, and DeBrusque, uh, even though they didn't, you know, didn't score five on five, Coyle's goal was on the power play. Um, I thought that was their best line for the vast majority of the night. And yeah, I do think, you know, maybe Coyle felt a little push there of, you know, hey, Posh is make, making a push and not just to be on the team, but potentially to be a top six center. And Coyle played like someone who, didn't want to move back to the third line. He wanted to stick in the, in the top six. And I think because both of those lines found a little bit of a groove tonight, I feel like that's probably how they're going to start the season. Um, you know, Coyle with Marchand and DeBrusque, Potter with Frederick and Geeky. And, and I think that's fine. Like, I think that, you know, I made the case last time that I think Patra putting him with Marchand and DeBrusque better utilizes his talent as a playmaker and and I still believe that but I also think there's validity to you know keeping him away from top top matchups to start protecting you know sheltering him a little bit and kind of seeing how that goes so I get both sides of it and the, and the fact that both those lines found a little bit of chemistry tonight um you know kind of just adds to the case to hey let, let's start with this and then go from there yeah, I'm totally fine with that uh, to start for the exact reasons you said, Scott. Like, I think long term, I see the offensive ups- offensive upside of Patra on that second line. But to everything you just said, it's very true. Like, there's no there's no reason to necessarily opening night to Mo Coyle down to the third line. Like, let Patra get. Now, obviously, it's possible he gets a nine game trial, and so you might want to see him be put in a position to showcase what he can do and. Does Geeky and Frederick allow him to do that necessarily? No, but you know what though, if he's good enough, they'll they'll keep him around. And um, and I, I'm just looking forward to the season because it's not often that the Boston Bruins have a teenager in their lineup. So I mean, the last time you can see that would be Tyler Sagan, and before him, I think I want to say Lucic's rookie year. Um, Maybe Kessel was, but he came out of Minnesota, so probably not. Maybe Sergey Samsonov, Joe Thornton. Like, it's not very often that they have teenagers in the lineup. So, um, I don't know if I have that on my bingo card at the end of last season going into this season. So, the fact that this is a reality, it seems to be, it's pretty exciting. So, he might start yeah. in the third line, but either way. Yeah, I mean, P- P- Pasternak what is one when yeah, he missed. Right, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So him too. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, yeah I, think, I think that was. Probably, I mean, McAvoy was a teenager when he came out, at least for that playoff run. I'm trying to think if he was still a teenager that next but season. But yeah, I was gonna say it wasn't a full season, it was coming out of college for him. Yeah, but he when did he turn, turn 20? I don't, it, it might have been during that next year. I mean, I, we don't really like this is kind of semantics. Yeah. Um, my, my, yeah, it was he, he, he turned 20 December of that first full season. Okay. But out of so, camp, though, out of camp, though, like McAvoy didn't make it out of camp as a teen. I don't think Pashnak did either. I think Pashnak went to Providence first. Right. Like, Potter would be 
I think since Sagan, the first one to make the team out of camp outright as a teenager. Yeah, I think I think that, yeah, it's much less common for them to just come straight out of camp. And he has it a little bit in his favor that he doesn't have the option of going into the minors. Like, because of his age, it kind of forces their hand a little bit more. And not only that, his play has forced their hand more than anything else. But if he doesn't make the team, I promise you I'm going to write a very scathing op-ed on WEI.com because he needs to be in this lineup. I don't care if he's on the third line. I don't care if he's on the second line to start. You'll find where he fits best in time, where his chemistry is, who he plays well with, you know, what his strengths are, what his weaknesses are, but he needs to be in the lineup on opening night. He needs a nine game trial. And if I'm, if I'm guessing he's going to be there after the nine games, like he's played well enough that I know you're like, Oh, he's 19. Oh, he could, you could convince yourself and I'm not convinced, but you people have convinced themselves he could benefit from juniors. Just let him play through it. You don't have a crystal ball. We, none of us have a crystal ball. He could be a huge addition to this team. He could help the team out a lot. He's going to have his hiccups. Sure. There's guys around him that can teach him, maybe cover up his flaws a little bit. And he needs to spend time in the pros learning how to make those plays at NHL speed shoot against NHL defenders and everything like that. Learn how to kill an NHL power play, like be on the penalty kill, but like let him do that all at the NHL level and figure it out because he's figured it out so far. I I trust that he can still learn and grow. So I want him in the lineup day one and I want him there after nine games. I think he's going to just continue to prove everyone that he's supposed to be there. Yeah. I mean, I do think the concerns about, like how is how is he going to hold up physically? I, I think that's legitimate. Like I don't I don't dismiss that. I mean he's but like his, but you haven't seen it yet. Like that's my thing. Well, you haven't seen. I, it well, yet. I know, but you've seen plenty of other smaller play. Let's remember he's 5'10", 175. You've seen smaller players before who wear down. I mean Fabian Lysel wore down in the AHL last year. Yeah, you but know, I, I don't know how we can just apply that to him. Like we can't, we, I'm not willing to apply that to him. I'm just saying like, he could go back to juniors and get stronger. It's hard to put on weight and muscle during an NHL season. Most guys Uh, tend to lose weight during the season. It's easier now with the training staff they have there. Like I trust a pro training staff to get him on the right diet and workout routine to bulk during like and to add weight and to to do it in a way that you're not like making yourself slower but he the Bruins have the right people around him I'm not willing to just like apply and I understand why people say it but like I just don't think it I just don't think it it matters at this point if he's your one of your top three centers you're not just gonna send him away like if he could be a solution for you on the third or second line, like he's not even on the margin. Like he's in the middle. So I so I have, a, I have a question. So Scott, let's say that this was a Chicago Blackhawks podcast. Would you be saying the same thing with regards to Connor Bedard? Or would you say, well, he's such an exceptional talent. Mm-hmm. I would make that exception, but, but he's still a human. So like you still have to worry about the 82 games and, and losing weight throughout the season because he's a small yeah. player. But Connor Bedard's in a generational talent, so I don't I don't care about it in that case, honestly. Well, um, why don't you just take no, my but, argument? But the talent, the ta- he is a generational talent, but my but my point is, it's like 
there's it's still an 82 game schedule like and, and you don't want somebody to like get worn out or get hurt if they're physically not mature enough yet like outside of the talent so you know I, th- I think I also think that if this was 10 years ago certainly 20 I'd be like yeah yeah no no this kid's gonna get eaten alive but the NHL in 2023 is not the uh physical grind it was in the past just because the it's a lot it's it's a it's a younger player's game it's a younger kid's game and I don't think it's as I don't think it's as difficult on the body from a physicality standpoint it is from a conditioning but as far as like getting getting the you know getting beat up every you know in the corners every game and it's a little bit of a different you can get away with it easier nowadays is what I'm saying yeah all all valid and it's honestly like it's there's the physicality on the ice it's also you know it's all the flights it's all the travel it's just the grind of don't NHL games every two days. Come on, Scott. Don't be a hater. Let's. I'm let's not. not just I, like that's. We I all think know. I've, he can get enough sleep, right? I think I've been very clear for several podcasts now that he is a lock on my opening night roster. Okay, so. then, then, but so the problem is you don't that's think he's gonna last past nine games. Is that the problem? You don't think he's gonna last past nine games? I've I have no idea. I I want to see how he does. But no, Scott's just that, Scott's just looking at it from all angles. He's just saying, yeah. No, that's all he's saying. I, I'm no, just, I, I'm just not, I'm not committing to him for the full season yet. I'm committing to him for opening night and several games, hopefully nine beyond that. And I am, I see, just want to go on record. I just want to go on record as I am committing to him for the whole season. And maybe I'm right or maybe I'm wrong, but that's my take right now. So we can circle okay. back at some point. So but that's my opinion. What, what if by game seven? He's getting buried in his own zone. He has zero points and uh, his minutes are down to like 10 minutes a night. And what if he has three goals and three assists in his then, first then night? Then, then fantastic. Great. What, okay. what is it about his, what is it about this situation, Scott, that he can't report to Providence at all? And can that change if he sticks with Boston longer than nine? Can he go down to Providence Eight. at some point? It's purely no. age. It's it's the agreement that the NHL and the Canadian Hockey League have where somehow the CHL, which for people who might not know, runs the OHL, the Quebec Major Junior League, and the WHL. Somehow they have enough power that they've been able to negotiate this over a long period of time that uh, players under 20, players who aren't going to turn 20 until... I think it's like January 1st or later um, have to either stick with their junior team or go to the NHL. And it's, it's basically been their way to fight like NHL teams, just taking all the good 18 year olds out of juniors and putting them in the AHL. Um, I don't, it's, I've never really understood like how the CHL has had that much power to keep this in place for so long. And I know there's been talk and I heard, um, I don't know if it was on tonight's broadcast or one of the other games, but someone pitched the idea of like, should t- NHL teams be able to designate one underage player a year that can be eligible for the AHL? And like, I think even that change would be good because it it just is odd to me. It's like the best thing for Matt Potter's development could very well be some time in Providence. So it's like the fact that you 
can't do what might be best for some players development is bizarre to me. Um, so I, I would like, I would like to see that change at least that you can say, you know, set a date, maybe it's by October 1st, you have to decide which player you're designating or something, but the Bruins could say we're designating Patra as the one under 20 player that, you know, we can put in Providence or something like that. Yeah. And for the, like, just to clarify, he is ineligible because he doesn't turn 20 until March. Yeah. So, yeah. So the cutoff is January. He turns 20 in March. So um, most of the season he'll be 19 if he sticks in Boston. Yeah. So there's, so there's no, so even if he stays beyond the nine games, there's no, if the Bruins want to send him down, it would still be to juniors. It wouldn't be to the AHL. There's some ways around that. There's like you can he can he can get injured and people watching on YouTube. I'm using quote fingers here and you can send him down for a conditioning stint. Um, you can also like work agreements with certain players like the occasionally the CHL will be flexible, which happened with Shane Wright, where um, Seattle was able to move him between. NHL, AHL, and even major juniors. He did all three in one year uh, when he was under 20. And that was because they got some sort of exception granted. So Sounds like politics. Uh, yeah. Like some serious politics going on. Yeah. Okay. So that's, yeah. So that, that's a good explanation that I know myself benefited from it. And I'm sure maybe some of the listeners too. So um, the three of us have another episode to do before the regular season where we're going to break down the, the Atlantic division, uh, Eastern conference, and maybe just some league wide um, predictions. So I think for this episode, we're just going to kind of keep it to what has been in the preseason and anything lingering from this Rangers game. And Scott, I know you wanted to maybe discuss um, some, some final thoughts on maybe uh, uh, Boquist and see if he may have, wiggled his way into a 13th forward spot or anybody who may have made an impression that otherwise going into tonight, they may have been on the outs. Yeah. I mean, I mentioned Ian Mitchell as a player who I thought kind of had a tough game to close out an otherwise strong preseason. Um, You know, so interesting to see if he had already done enough and, and, you know, banked enough good performances. Jacob Zaboral only played two games. He did not play Thursday, which, I kind of thought he might. I thought they might try to get him into a third game. So interested to see what happens there. Might not matter at all if Mason Lorai makes the team and then neither one of them makes it. Um, yeah, Jesper Boquist uh, was on a line with Pavel Zakin, David Pasternak. Had a couple shots, but otherwise I thought was pretty quiet once again. And Jim Montgomery on Thursday morning said – reiterated that he thinks Bocas has been practicing well, which is something he has said all camp, but admitted it hasn't translated to games and they wanted to see it translate to a game. And it's, if it's not really translating when you get a chance to skate with Zaka and Pasternak, like I just, I wonder if he's done enough. I, I, you know, we went over it on our last podcast. I already had him out. I don't think he did anything tonight to get back in. Like, I think, I think Danton Heinen had a better preseason. I think Jacob Lauko had a better preseason. I, you know, they, they signed Bocas as a free agent. So obviously they had some hopes for him, but I, I don't know that I've seen enough this preseason for him to make it 
Um, AJ Greer ends up getting an empty net goal. Other than that, I thought had a quiet game. Don't know that he really did anything to break in. And Patrick Brown, you know, I mean, I'll say I thought that entire fourth line struggled tonight. It was Greer, Beecher, Brown. I just didn't really think they did much of anything. Um, you know, I felt like Brown was the one who still had to try to do something to win a spot back from Beecher. I, you know, I think we had all get, we were all giving Beecher the edge anyways. And I didn't see anything to change that. In fact, to reiterate, like our point from last podcast, Lucic, Beecher, Lauko looked like a good fourth line in Tuesday's game. So nothing I saw tonight would convince me that there's another fourth line option that's better. Yeah. And it's kind of weird when you have two guys on the same line competing for the same spot, like, how does that make you compete? Like, how do you approach a preseason game when the guy on your right wing is the guy you're trying to beat out for uh, fourth line center? Like, how send do you... him suicide passes? Yeah, like who? Yeah, you just send him <laughs> up to get like nailed. Like, I don't know what you like. Is there so, like, do you just play to try to make yourself look good and hope he messes up, or do you set him up for failure? Like, I, it's such a weird dynamic in preseason. Um, but the main point is that. The last preseason game, the fourth line was way more effective with Lucci, Beecher, and Lauko. This fourth line that they rolled out tonight, it didn't feel like what they want for a fourth line, and it also did not perform as what they would want for a fourth line. It's not what we would have put together. I don't think it's what the coaches would put together on opening night, but they wanted to get one last look at a couple people, so they kind of patchworked together certain lines, and I think that's why Boquist ended up where he was because they're like, we need to give him one last look, even like we might not be a hundred percent sure. Um, Brown, we're going to give another look, but I think they know what they got out of Greer. I think they're really leaning towards Beecher making it um, at this point. I think he's earned it. It just becomes whether or not they're willing to waive guys that are not on two way contracts um, and see what happens. But of all of all of preseason, I think you guys would agree the most effective fourth line was Lucci, Beecher, Lauko as a combination. Yeah, agree. Mm-hmm. I don't Absolutely. know if we're just like overreacting to seeing like only a, such a small sample size. No, I mean that that's what you get in preseason, though. Like, just you know, yeah, you're not going to get five games with the same line mates. So it's also it's also a combination of it's not just that those were the better performers. I think on paper they're the better players anyway. So it's it's also like they just have all things going for them, like Beecher. Yeah, I and think they is. work they work better together, and they like yeah. okay, Beecher and Lauko have speed, which Lucci needs mm-hmm. to like help with the forecheck. And there's they kind of played off of each other the right way, and I see that as a good fourth line. I think that that's their best option, but. They're stuck in a tough situation and they said, oh, it's good to have like competition and to make it hard on you. But at the end of the day, you're making a decision based on guys who've worked their asses off in preseason. And we all know who's worked harder than others. And then you have to try to explain to someone, say like Beecher, if you send him down, like you have to now you have to explain to him, oh, you outplayed this person, but we sent you back down to Providence, which I, it, it happens in the NHL. But it's hard to to tell someone in the beginning of camp jobs up for grabs and then say, ah, just kidding. You know, like you, you can go back yeah. to Providence. 
You know, and I think the Bruins have had their fair share of humble pie um, throughout their 99 years heading into this one, uh, 2019 Senzel, but also um, last year. And I think that the Bruins are just like, you know what? <laughs> we, we're just like, like whoever, you know, guys that earn it, they're going to get their opportunities. Like there's no more. Like, it, it is what it is. Last year was a different situation. It was a very established team. This year, I think they're trying to they're trying to get rid of a little bit of a stink in that locker room, and I think some new blood and new faces. By the way, players that have earned it uh, through camp so far are going to get their opportunities, and and these are players that the Bruins drafted. Like they drafted Johnny Beecher, they drafted Matt Patra, they you know they drafted Loco. Like, these are guys that they want. You don't draft players with the intention of them not having an impact in the organization. It looks good on the on the Bruins if these players can become something and they've earned it. So it's like, why why not reward Johnny Beecher because you want to stick Patrick Brown who hasn't done anything in camp. It makes no sense. So I think we're all on the same page. And um, as I said, we have another podcast to discuss some some lingering um, storylines, and and we'll discuss the final roster heading into the regular season. So Bridget and Scott, yeah. did either of you have a final uh, talking point? Yeah. from Rangers game. Uh, just a quick note. So we're we're recording this right after uh, Thursday's game went final. Uh, while just a few minutes ago, while we were recording, Kevin Paul Dupont. Uh, who's in New York said post game when I asked Montgomery if Potra made it impossible for the Bruins to, to deny him a spot on the roster. Montgomery said, yeah, I mean, it certainly looks that way. He's earned the right to stick around for a while. That's for sure. So he's, yeah. he's in at least, at least for opening night, which we, we all expected like he's clearly earned it, but there you go straight from Montgomery. Yeah. And they kind of been more cryptic about it throughout preseason and then today it felt like they were willing to put it out there nationally on the TNT broadcast and then obviously the beat reporters that were able to travel um Kevin Paul DuPont the one getting that quote like they were I think they feel really confident with him at least as their decision their their tough decisions come with Heinen and Boquist um and Greer like those are their tough decisions yeah. yeah, and and to your point, you named Potter as one of them because he he, he was so obvious. So, um, closing thoughts from either of you? No, it's, you know we should get could be multiple rounds of cuts, but they've said they want to get down basically to their to their opening night group by some point this weekend. So, uh, definitely should be coming in in the next few days. You know, see them get down into that. 22 23 player range as of thursday they had 29 players so six six or seven cuts coming yeah i think all i'll say is me and scott are both preparing different articles to write between now and the uh the start of the regular season because there's kind of a big gap in between thursday night and then they they don't play again till wednesday to open the season so there's a lot of time there so we're both working on uh different things we're going to post and also we are trying to either get patra or lucci for a one-on-one interview um between now and the start of preseason so we're we're putting in for that hopefully should have a podcast where somebody is available to us um for a player interview yeah and monday's media day so Mm -hmm. they'll be you know along with all the players in montgomery uh Cam Neely, Don Sweeney, and Charlie Jacobs all holding press conferences. So I'm sure there'll be some some stuff to react to that 
we'll discuss next week as well. Yeah, so even though there's not another game, there's still a lot going on. All right, well, everybody buckle up, put on your black and gold seatbelts because we got quite the ride to go through this year. So um, as always, thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you very soon.